Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, who is just up here, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us today. Especially if you're here with us for the very first time. If you're a guest with us, maybe you're watching online or you're in here, I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Here's what I know is you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. Sometimes it's Rain-mageddon on the weekend. And so, like, you know, Satan's just after us with the water. And so you're going to have to come back next weekend and hopefully be a better experience. But our hope is that we're your family. If you are watching online, we'd love for you to do a few things. Number one, like, comment, or share. And uh, hopefully you can uh, kind of get us past some of those social media algorithms and get our, our, our kind of our name out there. We'd love to be a part of your life. Today we start a brand new series today called Do Over. Everybody say Do Over. I don't know if you've ever done anything in your life where you're looking back and you're just like, man, I wish I could do that over again. I, I know this, that as I look back on 2020, if I would have known 2020 was going to turn out to be 2020, I would have done a few things a little different in January and February. Come on. How many of y'all know that, right? Like you just, I would have done maybe my money a little bit different. Maybe I'd have done my, my, my relationships just a little bit different. Maybe I would have just adjusted a few things in my family or my relationships. I, I know there were several categories that I would have probably have done different. And so I wanted to talk about, since we have an opportunity in 2021, starting a brand new year, what could we do different if we could do differently and do it over? What does the Bible have to say about some of those categories? And so we're going to talk about that today over the next several weeks, and, and hopefully it will... Uh, it will be a blessing to you. Today, we're going to be in the book of 2 Kings inside the Bible. So if you're new to the Bible or you're new to Scripture, um, the Bible is broken up into two major sections. The first section is the Old Testament. The second section is the New Testament. 2 Kings is found in the Old Testament, kind of towards the middle, early part of the book. And it's basically two major books that tells about the kingdoms that came after the reign of David. Now, David was a king uh, of Israel, and he's that David. He's David and Goliath. How many of y'all have heard that story, like that used in football? You know, it's the David and Goliath story. Most even non-Christians know that story. But um, these are the, the kingdoms that came after David. And during those kingdoms, prophets were used to be the mouthpiece of God. They were used to help people be better towards other people. In fact, they were a lot of times were those who actually gave the word to the people or the word to the kings and gave them vision on what it was going to be. And so there are two prophets rise up in, in first and second kings, major, two major ones that we hear and talk about. One is Elijah, who comes towards the middle part of first kings. And then Elisha, who is basically his protege, his his Padawan, if you could talk in Star Wars world, you know, she comes along, Elisha comes along, and the Bible says that he gets double the anointing and double the blessing. In fact, the Bible records double the amount of miracles that Elijah had. And you see towards the end of, sec or kind of the middle towards the second kings, the end of Elisha's life. And that's where we pick it up. So that's kind of a little bit of context so that you don't just jump right into the scripture. And you don't know what's going on. So a little bit of context about what's going on. We pick it up towards the end of Elisha's life in verse 14 in chapter number 13. And it says this, if you don't have it, it'll be up on the scriptures, uh, up on the uh, up on the uh, wall. Or or if you can follow along in version, we have a version Bible app and you can see all of our notes. Verse 13 says this, says, when Elisha was in his last illness, now this tells us that Elisha went through many illnesses. This tells us that he was sick on a regular basis and he had to walk through some things. King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And he starts doing some weird prophet things, okay? This is only, only prophets do stuff like this, right? Like if I ever told you, like y'all came up to me and you're like, listen, I got some problems, 
with my job, my, my job, you know, my boss is kind of crazy. If I ever told you, like, okay, we'll go pick up some arrows and shoot them, you know, like, okay, that'd be weird, okay? So, like, this is only a prophet does stuff like this. So he says, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his hands on, and, on his hands and his king's hands. And then he commanded, open the eastern window, and he opened it. And then he said, shoot. I'm going to say shoot. He said, shoot. And said, so he shot an arrow and Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Armenians at Aphek. And then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked up, picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. And then you would have beaten the Aram, beaten Aram until he was entirely destroyed. But now you only be victorious three times. And then Elisha died and was buried. Now, this is interesting. This is where it kind of gets kind of like quirky. Okay. So like if you ever read the Bible and you ever found a weird part, you're not alone. So I, I always laugh at people who are like, especially Christians who are like, well, I read the Bible, and the Bible's not weird. No, the Bible is weird. There's some weird parts of the Bible. You didn't read my Bible then. So, um, but this is a weird part of the Bible. It says, once some Israelites were burying a man, and they spied a band of these raiders, and so they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb that of Elisha and fled. So they, they, they stole a dead body, okay? They threw the dead body into the tomb of Elisha, okay? And then this is what happens. It says, but as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones... The dead man revived and jumped to his feet. Now, that's odd, okay? That's a unique story inside of the scriptures. And anytime, now, so most people will probably read that and go, ah, that's weird. But they keep, keep reading. But anytime I read that scripture, it always makes me think of one thing. Is that if Elisha was doing miracles while he was dead, how much more could he have done if he was alive? Like, I just think about that, like, Man, so you're telling me he raised someone from the dead while he was dead himself? What could he have done if he was able to walk around and talk to people and pray for people and give a word to people, right? Like, how much more powerful would he have been if he didn't get sick and he didn't die? If you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Do Over how to do over your health in 2021. How to do over your health in 2021. And with that, let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I pray that today, right now, Lord, you have something to speak to us about. I know that each one of us have a unique step to play and part to play for our lives and for our bodies moving forward in 2021. Lord, we are here on purpose. We're watching on purpose. We know you have a word for us, and I pray that today you would speak in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Aaron, and you're watching The 411. Good morning, JTV, and good morning to those of you visiting with us for the very first time. Thanks for sharing your Sunday morning with us, and we hope you enjoy it. So um, I showed you that video because, um, well, that was me. Um, and and that we, we went into the archives about 13 years ago, and uh, that was a video that we made for a church that I was working at. And I always, anytime somebody talks to me, I don't know if you're like me. But anytime somebody talks to me about being healthy, 
Yeah, I could give a talk or speech. Like, I know I probably should be watching it from someone who's, like, healthy themselves because then I'm like, okay, they're healthy, and then that means they know how to be healthy, and so then I'm going to try to be healthy. But I always get kind of offended because it's always somebody who's, like, rock-hard abs and big old muscles, and he's super healthy, and he's never struggled with wanting pizza in his entire life. You know, he's never, you know, I like because I like me some nachos and some burritos and some burgers and some, like, you know, some pizza and some pasta, and I like me, I like me some food. And so I don't want to hear everything. I know they mean a good intention, right? They're trying to inspire me. But I need to talk to someone who's, who's on my struggle on a regular basis. You know what I'm saying? Like I got somebody who's unhealthy inside of me who wants to eat, and I tell him no all the time. So I want somebody who had, had done it something, right? And so the reason I show you that, that video is because, like, I've been there. And I know what it's like. I'm still there. And I, there, is a, there is a struggle in all of us to be healthy. In fact, the day after, you know, around this time when I started to get healthy, my wife, and um, we had just had our twins. I have five young boys. We just had our twins. And they were here. And we were, you know, hanging out on a Friday night. And my wife looked over at me. And she said, hey, son, hon, honey, you want to go to uh, you want to go to Pizza Hut? I'm like, yes, bet. Let's do it. You know, let's go to Pizza Hut. So we get the kids into the car. And I'm like, I know where all the Pizza Huts are around the place. I know where they all are. You know, I've been to them several times. And so we're getting in the car. And she goes, I'll drive. I said, OK, no problem. So she gets in the car. Now, at the time, I had some, tra- I had some trainer friends. Who, their names were Marco and Shelly. And they had always offered to me free training if I ever wanted to get healthy. In fact, they said, as a wedding gift to you, we'll train you and get you healthy if you ever want to. I told them, no, thank you. I like Red Robin and their big steak fries. I'm good. And so... And so they were like, uh, so, so my wife gets into the car. I get into the car. And we start driving. Now she starts driving nowhere near towards the Pizza Huts. Again, I knew exactly where they were. I didn't need Google Maps. I knew where they were. And so she starts driving. And I said, and something inside of me just said uh, to ask her a question. I said, honey, are we going to Marco and Shelly's? Are we meeting with Marco and Shelly? She goes, no, no, we're not going to meet with Marco and Shelly. I said, okay, no problem. She pulls into their neighborhood. And I'm like, I know this is where Marco and Shelly lives. I looked at her. I said, honey, are we meeting with Marco and Shelly? And she said, we're not meeting with Marco and Shelly. Calm down. I said, okay, no problem. We pull down their street. I know they live on this street. I'm saying, babe, I did. We're meeting Marco and Shelly. She goes, we're not meeting Marco and Shelly. We pull in to y'all. We pull into their driveway. We're sitting in their driveway. I look at her. I said, this is Marco and Shelly's house. Are we or are we not meeting with Marco and Shelly? We're not meeting with Marco and Shelly. We're just meeting with Marco. I'm like, that's not, that doesn't work. That's lying. Marco's walking out. So now I'm a pastor and I can't get mad, right? I can't show my I really want to say because I want to scream. And so she comes out and she, 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 t- when anybody asked me, she goes, how did you get healthy? I said, because my wife lied to me. That's how I got healthy. And, uh, and so she, she got me on a trainer and from then on, it took me two and a half years and I lost 130 something pounds. So, um, interesting to think back why I did it. I had a conversation with my pastor at the time and I was a pastor at the church and he looked at me and he said, Aaron, he said, I love you, but I'm going to tell you something that you need to hear. He said, how, how? Are you supposed to get on the platform with any integrity and teach people about a godly principle of self-control when you, you aren't practicing it yourself? 
And it stuck with me because he said, Aaron, we don't need to be perfect, but we should be men of integrity. We don't need to do everything right, but you, we, we can do the things right that we can do the things right. Come on. And that stuck with me because what he was really saying is what the lesson of Elisha was saying to us. Is that, is that you and I have a purpose and we can only accomplish our purpose if we're in bodies that are healthy. And now I, I, I never thought of it like that, but our mission, right, is affected by our condition. That if you and I are not, are not healthy, that we will not be able to run the race that God has called us to run because you have a purpose in life. Don't let anybody tell you different. Don't live your life like that. Don't sell yourself short. Stop doing things that are outside of your character as a godly man or as a godly woman. You have a purpose, but you can't accomplish your purpose if you're sick laying up in a bed somewhere. You can't accomplish your purpose if you're dead. You have to accomplish your purpose in one vehicle that's done and given to you only one time in life, and that's your body. And so you can't separate the two. In fact, the Bible talks about in Hebrews chapter 12 that therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews is this incredible book talking about how we should be living as Christians. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so clings us closely and let us run with endurance the race is set before us that you and I have a purpose. Everybody say this. Say, I have a purpose. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a purpose. You do. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. We have a purpose, but you can't accomplish it if you're sick. Now, I grew up in a church that didn't celebrate this at all. And I mean at all. I, and I mean at all. We, we celebrated like reading your Bible and going to church and being spiritual and then we'd go to Denny's right after and eat as much as we possibly could. The buffets looked forward to our church lines. <laughs> and so we re- I, I, I would read the Bible and I'd be like, gluttony. I'm like, what is even that? And my pastor's never even talked about that before. And we separated our life, right? Our, our, our lives were compartmentalized. We had this thing where we had physical, we had our physical life. We had our mental life, and we had our emotional life, and we had our spiritual life. But if you ever told that to a first century Hebrew, they would they would know what you were talking about. They'd laugh you out the street. They'd be like, what? All of that's spiritual. It's all connected. You can't do the spiritual unless you deal with the physical. Because you live in the physical. So you can't compartmentalize your Christianity. You can't say you're a great Christian and have a great prayer life and walk around and treat your body like trash. Because it's all spiritual. Why? 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 Because you have a mission. Some of you are supposed to go on mission trips soon. Some of you are supposed to start businesses. Some of you are supposed to be a mentor. Some of you are supposed to go out there and be a part of a ministry. Some of you are supposed to start a ministry. Some of you are supposed to go out and actually do something for God that's never been done before. But you can't do it if you're sick. You do it when you're healthy. We don't get healthy because we want rock-hard abs and buns of steel. That's a byproduct of living a life that's healthy, right? We, we do it because we're on, we're on mission. We do it because we're, we're on mission. So in the time I have left, um, 
I'm going to give you four thoughts about how to do over your health this year. And these are just thoughts that I have from just my own weight loss journey and, 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 and being living healthy so that maybe we could all take a step today in doing that, okay? I know I won't get like, this will be like the least amen message in my entire year because you're like, Lord, please let's move on and talk about how I can get rich. So, okay, I get it. Um, but you, we should talk about this because I told you it's important. Number one is this. Um, Four thoughts on how to do over our health. Number one, what we eat and drink matters. The principle here is it matters what we put in our bodies. It matters. It matters what, what you actually ingest and digest on a daily basis. First Corinthians is a letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul writes to a church in a city at Corinth. And he says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, that you are not your, your own? We talk about it here at Rise, one of our culture statements that we are, we are owners of nothing and stewards of everything. And we talk about that when it comes to our money, when it comes to our children. Like your kids are not yours. They're from God. They're on loan to you. And you need to steward them well and raise them and train them well so that they can go and accomplish all of their mission that's been given to them by God. But, but you need to know this. Your body is on loan to you. Your body is not even your, yours. But God gave you a body. It's a temple and we must treat it as such, and that if we treat it like that, then we can accomplish the mission. And anytime I talk about food or ingesting things and what you eat, most people think immediately like, okay, what's the diet I need to take? No, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying to start a diet, because diets typically don't work. Statistics will show you that. Diets are, are struggles, and typically when you start the diet, you end up being worse off than you were before. So I'm not talking about diet. I'm talking about a lifestyle adjustment that makes you understand what you eat absolutely matters. So if I had to give you a couple of principles about this, number one would be with food is eat the closest natural as possible. So I'm not saying, hey, go out and start eating like a rabbit. Get rid of all saturated fats and all carbohydrates and start being everything. All that stuff, just so you know, it's all built around the premise that your God created your bodies to process food, not fake food, not I wish I was food, not food that was engineered, Food. God designed your bodies to do it. Go back and look at all throughout Scripture. God created the world so that you would have food, so that you would digest food, so that you could be healthy. And if we put things in our body that's not food and that's not healthy, we ultimately result in having things that are not healthy. That does not mean you can't have a shake every once in a while and a burger and some nachos with some sour cream, okay? I'm just saying that at some point we need to be mindful of what we put inside of our bodies and the balance thereof needs to be tilted towards natural as possible. When I set out, I didn't try to do everything organic. I didn't try to sit there and, man, every time I went to a restaurant, I'm like, okay, give me the salad with no cheese and no tomato and no meat and no dressing and no flavor. I'm a rabbit. <laughs> just bring me the head of lettuce. It just, it just means maybe instead of getting the supersized meal at McDonald's, come on, maybe, maybe you try something a little different. I, I can't come up here and say, don't do this. and don't. I'm trying to give you principles on just on what we should do. Second thing is this. Let me talk to you about maybe another principle when it comes to what we drink on a regular basis. Most of us drink empty calories and, and it's not worth it. As a matter of fact, I remember one thing my trainer said. He said, I'd rather you eat 1,000 calories of terrible food than drink 1,000 calories of nothing. Because at least you get something from that terrible food. Because empty calories are truly empty calories. 
So what I'm saying to you is, is be careful with the empty calories with drinks, sodas, sugary drink. Come on, like stuff that you know. You already know. I don't need to highlight it. But the other thing I would say is this, more than likely you're not drinking enough water. By the way, most studies show that if you're hungry, most of the time the feeling that you feel when it's hungry is actually not food hunger. It's actually you're dehydrated. So if you go and drink water, you actually feel better than going and eating a Big Mac with fries. Again, I'm not saying you can't have a Big Mac with fries because every once in a while it's nice to have a Big Mac. But I'm just saying... You should drink more water, and whatever you're drinking right now could probably be more because most people aren't drinking enough water. I'll move on to number two. Number two is this. What we don't eat matters. So what we eat matters, but what we don't eat matters. Now, this, has, this is a principle that's saying it matters what we strategically and spiritually do not put into our bodies. What I'm talking to you about is the spiritual ancient practice of fasting. Now, I've never taught about this in two and a half years. I'm going to one day do a whole message series on it because it's incredibly powerful, and it's an important way of living because Jesus said... He specifically said, when you give, so he didn't assume that you would have a struggle on figuring out whether or not you should be a generous person in the world. So not just to the church, we're talking about people. So he says, when you give, so you should be a giver. When you pray, doesn't mean you should like, hey, like think about whether or not you should pray. No, you should pray. The Bible's already asked us about that. You don't need to consult God. You should pray. And he, then he said, when you fast. Which means this, you and I were always under the assumption that as a Christ follower, you and I should be fasting. And when I say fast, I don't mean starve yourself to lose weight. That's not what fasting is. Fasting has everything to do with establishing who God is in your life. Because you'll be surprised how much gods, how many little g, little, how many little gods you and I have in our life until you start to fast. Because when I ask you to give that up, You'll be surprised how violently and very, very convincingly you defend yourself. Because I'll tell you, hey, um, while instead of you watching Netflix for eight hours tonight, will you just give one night up? I'm just, just one, just one night. Don't watch Netflix. Maybe draw. Paint. Look at your children. Remember you have children. <laughs> Work on the car. Play with your dog. And, and I could tell you, like, and, and the moment I say give up, give that up, <gasps> the idol shows its ugly face. Because idols are not golden statues. Idols are little gods that you worship on a regular basis. So fasting, what fasting does is it makes sure that God is really God in your life. Now, we did this as a, me and my, my, my trainer, we did this for two and a half years. It took me two and a half years to lose, lose the weight. It took me two and a half years, and me and my trainer every Monday would fast for 24 hours. We do a water-only fast. And I never lost weight. In fact, I gained weight most of those days. <laughs> so it never helped me, like, with my weight. That wasn't what it was about. But what it was about was, is it revealed to me that food was a God to me because I, it, food wasn't good to me. It was God to me. So I didn't go to God when I was having a bad day. I went to food. I didn't go to God when I was struggling with my relationships. I went to food. I didn't go to God when I was depressed. I went to food. 
And when I did that, I realized I made it bigger in my life than it should have been. And so I started worshiping it as God instead of good. And so when I started to fast, what I started to say was I started to go like, no, 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 body, you're not going to tell me when I'm going to eat. I'm going to tell me when I'm going to eat. Because a lot of us believe the lie that like, oh, no, 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 no. You need to pay attention to what your body, whatever your body, you do what your body. If I did that, I'd eat nothing but Krispy Kreme all the time. What are you talking about? You know, how people say stuff so convincingly. You're like, oh, that makes sense. No, no, no. My body wasn't going to tell me things. I'm going to tell my body what I'm in charge of me. The only way you know you're in charge of you is when it's taken away. And so the purpose of fasting, even I like what, what Paul says in the first Corinthian church. He said, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Lest I preach, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. The hardest person you'll ever have to lead in your entire life is you. So raise your hand. Just, can, you know, come on, everybody, just raise your hand. Just everybody. I'll just humor me, okay? Even if you're that too cool for school person, all right? Just raise your hand. Everybody, like, you got deodorant on, and you're, you're proud of it. Okay, you put it on this morning. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right, all right. Everybody's, come on. God's looking. Okay, all right. Here we go. Raise your hand. That's the person you are going to struggle with the most, leading. Because I can convince myself every, I don't know if you're like me, I can convince myself every day. Every day that I deserve that chocolate shake and double quarter pounder with cheese. You don't know the life I live. You don't know the family I got the day I had. You don't know who I'm married to. Come on, right? You can do all that, right? You can just convince yourself of just about anything. And I'm telling you, the when you start to fast, you reveal all these little gods in your life. Why it's important that you learn to say no. Take a step. Take a step. Take a step. Maybe start with a meal. Start with a thing. There's all kinds of fasts. You can do a Daniel fast. You can do an electronic fast. You, can, you really want to make you mad? Put your phone down for 30 minutes. I'll really make you mad. I'll show you how much you're not. You know, I'm not addicted. Where's my phone? Okay. Number three, uh, how, you, how you're active matters. So how you, what you eat matters, what you don't eat matters, how you're active matters. Um, you need to know this, that the principle here is that it matters that we commit to an active lifestyle. Your body, your body, the one that God gave you, was designed to be used, was designed to be stretched, was designed to be active. I was reading an article the other day about a, uh, like the BMW M Series cars. And uh, my buddy, who, who he, ha- he, ha- he lives in California, he owns one. And he, he said he took it to the, uh, he took it to the mechanic because uh, it was acting up. And he said, he said, I know exactly what's wrong with your car. He said, what? He said, I don't drive it hard at all. I drive very gentle with this car. He goes, that's the problem. This car was designed to be driven hard. You need to press the gas. You need to drive it hard. That's what it was designed to do. And when you don't do it, it actually breaks down. Your, you need to know this. Like your body was designed to be active. When you don't do anything and you just chill and you take it easy, it, break, it breaks down. You need to know that. Like obviously consult your physicians with all this stuff. I'm giving you principles. But like there is a step that each of us can take to be active. And just so you know, if you're walking around the block, you're still lapping everybody on the couch. So just start something. Go, instead of driving your car 30 seconds to the mailbox, 
Just walk to the mailbox one time. That would be better than what you do now. You see what I'm saying, right? So I'm not telling you go run a marathon tomorrow because you won't make it. Then you'll come back to me and you'll be mad at me and write me emails. So, so don't go do something. It didn't take you uh, uh, overnight to get where you are. You, it's going to take you some time to get you out of where you are. So, so just start with a step. Like, I, just so you know, I never got a gym membership the time I, I lost all my weight. I never went to the gym. I worked out. I worked out in a park across the street. Just got active. Just started doing stuff. Instead of watching Amazon Prime, I left my house. I smelled the trees. I took a walk. No, I couldn't run. You saw me, how that kid ain't running. I just did what I could, right? Everybody's gonna have to do what you, why? Because it matters. Your body was designed to be pushed. Psalm 119 says, I like this, keep steady my steps. There's no leaps in the body of Christ. There's no leaps of faith. That's a, that's a Hollywood thing. There's steps of faith. You have a step to take. Just take a step in your life physically. Find out what you can do right now. Do something. The last one is this, is I'm done. I promise I'm done. Um, how we rest matters. The principle here is it matters that we create a season of rest. So Exodus is the second book in the Old Testament. It's in, it's in the Bible. And, and, and God is telling a, a new, brand new kingdom and, and nation of people how to live. And he said, this is how you're going to live. You're going to work six days. He says it. He says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you'll labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, keep the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. He says, you're going to work for six days and you're going you're gonna to rest on the seventh. Which, by the way, um, like the normal American work week is five days a week. That's not Hebrew and that's not God's best. God's best is actually a six-day work week. And the sixth day was always designed, if you go back and research it, the sixth day in the Hebrew culture was always designed for your future and for your 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 like your, your exponential growth. So five days you work to labor, but the sixth day was always designed for you to get ahead in something. So you and I should always be on, have a six-day mentality to try to figure out what am I going to do to leave a legacy. But what he said is on the seventh day was that you and I need to rest because your resting issues are trusting issues. Because if you can't sleep at night and you can't rest and you feel like you are in control of everything, and as long as you're in control of everything, you'll never rest because you're in control of everything. And so rest for us is, is a trust issue for Christians. And, and, and yeah, you could work, but you don't work on that day because you know your body needs the ability to recharge and to rest. Even farmer, farmers would know this really big because they had a season where they, they, it's called they would rest their fields, where they would not work their fields. There'd be a section of their land and their property that they would let rest. They call it resting their fields. Why? So that they could produce a better harvest next time. You not resting is not biblical. You're not impressing anybody. You're prideful. I'm prideful when I, when I don't rest. Me. I am. God, teach me to trust you for the seventh day. Teach me to trust you with the Sabbath. Teach me to not feel like I need to work and work and work and work because if I don't, then dot, dot, dot. You can fill in all of your blanks. Y'all, y'all have the blanks to fill in. You got to rest so that you can produce on the six days. My prayer is that you would take seriously what you eat. You would take seriously fasting. 
you would take seriously an active lifestyle, and then you would take serious rest. And when you do that, I believe you can do over your health in 2021. Let's pray. Father, I love you, God. Lord, I know that today you have a word for all of us. Every single one of us can take a step regardless of where we are. And I pray that those steps would work. You would work them out. They would be powerful. That, God, they would be life-changing. And that ultimately, God, you would show us your faithfulness in all of these steps. In Jesus' name.